0: man That's all the singing we'll do. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again, isn't it? Amen. We haven't been here since Sunday morning. It's been so long. That's what it feels like to me, anyways. I I enjoy coming to the house of the Lord and sitting where you are and hearing the Word being preached. And I enjoy being up here under the anointing as well. It's good to see each one of you that can make it, the visitors and. God bless you. Happy birthday, by the way. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Amen. I'm going to try again to keep it to an hour if I can. Um, just because I really want you to retain what's being said, and uh, I want you just to listen close and really pull tonight, and uh, thank you for coming, and to those that brave the roads, but also to those that are streaming in, God bless you, really appreciate you, and there's a few more here than I thought would be here, I was phoning around yesterday making sure I'd have a skeleton crew that could come, but... Then you know make sure right, I'm a sound person, now I got a sound man and another sound man and another sound man and another sound man. So we're very well set up. so <laughs> God bless y'all. Amen. Romans chapter five and verse one says, "Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom we also also we have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, it's so good, Lord, just to come and hear the singing even. Lord, I was just sitting there in the back and making notes, but Lord, just enjoying hearing Brother Mark sing again and to hear the music played and to have Brother Max come and pray like that, Lord. It's... Father, we're so blessed, Lord, to know you. Lord, for it's you that brought us together. It's you that gave us this ability, Lord, to look into the Word and to comprehend, to understand, Lord, what is being read. Lord Jesus, it's only by your Spirit that we could ever understand these things. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you chose us, that you called us, Lord. You predestinated us. You justified us, Lord, and you've already glorified us. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can gather and we can appreciate one another. But more than that, for the word, Lord, it is real and it is life to us. So, Father, I pray you just help us just to calm our spirits. And, Lord, you just come and take control. We just want to hand ourselves to you, my tongue, my mind, all of it, Lord Jesus, it's yours. And I pray you'd have the full preeminence tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may have your seats. I want to speak tonight again on the open book. Uh, this would be part two, as if that's what I titled it last time. I can't honestly remember so far back. it's a month ago. It's been a month since we've been at Young People's. So welcome back. And uh, I want to just take this here, and we'll just get right into it. But, but Brother Branham would say, now, the law having a shadow... He says, oh, when I think of that, the law having a shadow of good things to come. Look what the law offered. Turn over to the next chapter. He's reading from, that's in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, look over at Hebrews chapter 11 for a minute, and you'll see a look at what Daniel did. How many knows what's in Hebrews chapter 11? What is it? Thank you. It's the heroes of faith. That's exactly right. That was under the law. That was all done. You can read of all of the ones of David, of Moses, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of all of the patriarchs. You can read of, of the different ones that, that Paul would begin to write and say, Time would fail me to tell you of them all, but of Barak and of Jephthah and of the, all these Samson and these different ones. That was all under the law. But the law having a shadow, it was of, of good things to come. He says, look what they did. Look what Enoch done under the law. Oh, my. Look what Enoch did. You know, we, we talk about, the Bible would talk about a schoolmaster. And we were once all under the schoolmaster. And a schoolmaster, really, I was talking with my brother the other day. We were fellowshipping on this, so I'll just share it with you. Because it was good for me. But the schoolmaster if you, if you look and you, you begin to just take the way Paul's looking at it, if you look at a school, the master of the school, the principal, it's an intimidating figure. It's someone that's over everybody. What he says goes, his word is law. And that's what the law is. It's, it's a schoolmaster. It's something that is put forth that without the new birth, it's a schoolmaster that is there to help you, to, to give you, even to grade you. Excuse me, I'm just going to... thank you but rather it's something that you know you could look at it and you could go to a school if you go to a school we could all sit down and we could all take an exam and afterwards we could all compare notes we could all recognize who got the best marks Perhaps someone as educated as Sister Hannah would, would pull up the A+, plus and she would just be right off the top. Or Brother Maxwell, who's a professor, and he would just be right off the top. And everyone would look at it and go, my, those brothers. And they'd look at someone else like me and be like, what would you do, Brother Andrew? Would you even study? But that would be under a schoolmaster. That we would begin to look at it in that way and you could see and you could take it even in the law and you could look at one another in this way and you could look at one another and say, well, I see in the Bible where it says you ought to dress this way or you ought to look that way or you ought to talk that way. You can begin to compare notes one with another and you begin to say, well, I'm better than this person because I act better or I look better or I talk better or I do this better and you begin to compare it. All of that is, is nothing more than grades, it's like grade school. It's just saying, "I done, I have a better uh, opinion of this, or I have a better of that," but really it's all under a schoolmaster, but there comes a time where you need to come under a tutor. And that's, that's a completely different relationship now because the tutor isn't there to look at it and say, you got this grade and this grade and this grade. They're with you to help you to understand what the schoolmaster is talking about. They're with you to help you apply what the point of the lesson really is. Amen. Amen. I just grabbed this mic when I was walking out, and it's awful. Sorry, I didn't have a better word for it. Give me a second here. Oh, yeah. That ain't going to fall off now. All right. Now you're all distracted. Where were we? The schoolmaster and the tutor. It's a different relationship. The Holy Ghost is like a tutor. That when he comes, it says, the Comforter, when he comes, he'll lead and guide you into all truth. The schoolmaster, the law, just lays out the truth and says, here it is. The penalty of sin, by the way, is death. But here's the law. Here's what you should do. You should make a sacrifice for this. You should do this for that. You should dress this certain way. You should walk this certain way. If so-and-so does this, this is the punishment. If so-and-so does that, this is the punishment. But then when the tutor comes... When the Holy Ghost comes to lead and guide you into all that, it's no longer just, well, I have to do this, and if I don't do this, I'm gonna have the punishment. Listen, if I don't come to church on Sunday, someone's gonna ask me, where were you? And I'm gonna have to explain to them, I slept in. And someone's gonna ask me on Wednesday, where were you? And I have to explain to them, my car wasn't running right, so I couldn't come. When it really doesn't matter. Because you got to get under the tutor that begins to look at and realize, I know that person loves the Lord. I know they want to be there. I know maybe there's something I can help them with and it's no longer a quizzical of, why did you do this or why did you do that or why is this? And there's a punishment and there's a certain thing and I know this is going to happen if I don't make it just right. But don't say the right thing. If I don't know what to say to someone when they ask me, I'm going to have the wrong answer. But rather, it's a tutor that begins to teach you just exactly how to talk. Exactly how to walk, exactly how to live, when you begin to understand, oh, I can really not be so bound up by the walls that feel like they're closing in. Because under the schoolmaster, that's the way it seems. There's so many walls. There's so many rules. It's just pressing and pressing. And I can't seem to hardly break through. I can't seem to find my way around, but when the Holy Ghost is now in you, those walls become, become rather than boundaries, they become borders that keep the outside out, yeah. and, it, and it completely reverses the role because it teaches you what the point was, Amen. Amen. but it says, therefore, being justified by faith, now we're finally in our text, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation. You're justified by faith. How are you saved? By grace and the faith in that grace. And it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now I'm going to give you my subtitle, which is the Atonement. Is what I'm speaking with you really on right now is what is the atonement in the open book? Because it's more, there's, there's more to the atonement than just even what was known down through the ages. There's more to it than that. And, 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 and as we, we looked at it under the law, all of these great men did great things. But it says, then if they were only living in the shadow of of the atonement, what ought the Christian church to do today with the reality of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? Where are we standing tonight? See, under the law, they were looking to something coming. They were looking to Christ, and when they passed away, they had to be buried in in the promised land because in there, that was the promise under that atonement. The old atonement was the promise that here's where the resurrection is going to be, but rather they were looking. Someone had to come and pay for that still. Someone had to come and bring that power of resurrection, but they put themselves there believing that it would be. But finally, there came one that now we're not living under the law, but rather we're looking to what's already been. We're looking back at something saying, there is power, there is a resurrection, there is a life, amen, you with me, that it's still just as real today as it ever was and more real than it was under the law. But it says, and we have access to this grace. We have access by faith unto this grace, unto the atonement. We have access to the atonement by the faith that we have in the atonement. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to get to where I want to get to. (laughs) But not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. How would you ever know what the atonement was for if you never went through anything. That's right. Amen. Really good. If you looked at it and said, Well, by his stripes I'm healed, but I've never been sick. It doesn't mean very much. That's right. The chastisement of my peace is upon him. I've never been anxious. It doesn't mean very much anymore. It's just words. But when it becomes a reality, when it becomes your tribulation, when it becomes your hardship, it begins to work patience in you when you begin to realize that there is, there is power in the atonement. If I can have faith in that, and it's not just that it's something that's instantaneous, but it works patience. That's right. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's really good. Amen. Because that's the access we have today to the full power of the atonement. But it's not just that. Because under the, the, the old atonement, when they would do something wrong, it couldn't wash away the sins, but they could cover their sins with the blood of a lamb. And as soon as they sinned, they could immediately go and grab a lamb and go and s- sacrifice it. But today, you can immediately go on your knees and immediately receive forgiveness for those sins. But still, when when there's other things that are in the atonement, when you're looking for your needs to be covered, you're looking for God to move on your behalf, it works patience. You can't just go to to a temple and say, I need this. Right? Right. We're not a natural people. We're a spiritual people. We could go on our knees before God and say, Lord, I have needs. And He'll supply them but it works patience. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You see, and it says, And patience worketh experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because we have the love of God, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hallelujah. And verse 6, please keep your Bibles open here for now. Verse 6 would say, And when we, are, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And scarcely for a righteous man will one die, pre preadventure for a good man one would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Now he begins to go into and explain exactly what the atonement was all about. He say, listen, the atonement wasn't made just for the good people. It wasn't made just for the righteous See, well, I've made a ton of mistakes, and I'm just a young person, and I feel like I've gone too far, and I feel like I'm in a horrible state. There's no way I can really have full access to the atonement. Maybe I can have salvation. You know, it's been preached enough. I think I could go that far. You know, maybe I could even get born again. All right, I could go that far. But to really get, you know, the full power, to really understand and really have full access to Christ, I don't think I can ever do that. He says, it wasn't just for the righteous. He did it even while we were sinners. And he says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, we were enemy, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. And not only so. But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. See, so in the Old Testament they were looking to something coming, but Paul's saying, say, "We've got it. We've already received it." And he says, "Wherefore, as by one man sin entered, as by one man sin entered into the world." And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin was not imputed when there is no law. Is that right? Right. If there's no schoolmaster, you can do whatever you want in school. Well, he's not paying attention in class. There's no punishment. So what's the big deal? If there's no law, there's no sin. He so yeah, sin was there, but there was nothing to point it out. There was nothing to punish it. There was nothing to say it was wrong. But he said, listen, but nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was come. But not as the offense, but also is the free gift for if through... The offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of God, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. The man would even talk about the tree of life and the tree of death. And he would talk about how the tree of life, that's of course Jesus Christ, and the tree of death he would even call the woman. Because he says, listen, anyone that's born of the woman dies. But anyone that's born of Christ, anyone, if you've got, that's why you've got to be born again because if you're just born of a natural birth, you'll come to a death. But if you're born of a spiritual birth, you have eternal life. That's the access into the tree of life that was guarded the way so that Adam could not access back into it. And death reigned from Adam to Moses until the law came to point it out to provide some way. Until that came, there was nothing there, but there were still men who caught a revelation. There were still men like Abel who caught a revelation of something that was going on, who caught that there was something greater. There was a man named Noah who preached for 120 years and nothing more than his family was saved. That's a disappointing ministry, isn't it? I would consider it that way. If I preach for 120 years and all I got in my church is my family, I'd be like, man, Lord, what am I doing wrong? I mean, they kind of got to be here because I'm telling them they got to be here and I'm over them, so they got to be here. But all the other people, what's wrong with them? It'd be a disappointment, but yet someone caught a revelation and once you catch a revelation, it doesn't matter who's with you or who's against you. It doesn't matter what you're looking to or what's been, been past gone. Something is so real about it. It's your life. Hallelujah. But it says, in not as many, verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. He is the atonement. And it says, And therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men, to condemnation, even so by the righteous of one, the free gift come upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Amen. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I want to just take a turn here for a moment. I just want to give you something that is maybe by way of synopsis of a few books of the Bible, but certainly not all-inclusive because there's much more in it, and it's all multifaceted. But we could look, as we, if you want to read through the New Testament, you'll find different things that, if you look through the book of Peter, Peter writes very plainly and very simply. But he writes, and he would even say that Paul, he writes many things that are hard to understand. But, he, but we would say that Paul, Peter would take you all the way from salvation in, in his books, and he would take you all the way through to adoption. He would take you all the way through in just two short books because he's dealing with the soul. He's dealing with you right in your faith and where you believe and he's dealing with some other aspects as well. He said it's not all inclusive, but largely that's what Peter's dealing with. Peter was a man of faith. And if you look into it and you begin to see the different books like the book of John, John would take you through what it is to be born again. What it's like before you're born again, what it's like after you're born again, what is the effects of the Holy Ghost in the life of an individual, what does it do for you, what, it, what kind of an effect does it have upon you and upon your attitude, and John would take you through this kind of a, of a way where he'd begin to talk a whole lot about love, because that is the effect that the Holy Ghost has on an individual, it brings you into perfect love eventually. Because that's the purpose of the tutor is to bring the application of the law down into your life where now you begin to understand what it was given for. And, 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 and beyond that, you, would, you could go into the book of James, which James is, is largely loved even of man because James writes from a very natural standpoint. And he begins to look at it the way you and I look at things. You and I, I mean, let's just be honest with each other. We all want to be spiritual and talk about great faith. But if you don't see any works that go with the faith, you're not impressed. That's right. Amen. If you don't see anything that goes along with it, you say, well, you, you talk of great faith, but where's the faith? Where's the works that prove the faith? Because faith without works is dead. So there's got to be something to back it up. And that's the aspect that James talks from because God looks on the heart of man. He sees what's really in the individual. He sees the faith that you have, but it takes you to put that faith to work in order for us, the other people, to see what's going on. But James writes from that kind of a standpoint. He takes elements both of Peter and of Paul and and of John, and he kind of puts it all into from his viewpoint as a pastor. And he would look at it that way, but then you look at the books of Paul, Paul would write in the letters and he would deal largely with the spirit realm of people that are already born again. If you read through the book of uh, the different books that, that Paul has written, he doesn't deal an awful lot with you must be born again. But he sure deals an awful lot with how you live. An awful lot with what's going on inside of you. When you got the Holy Ghost in you and you got something in you that's working and you got something else in you that's working the other direction and there's a war in there and there's something going on and he deals a lot with that and how, you, how it deals in the church and how it deals in an individual and different walks of life and how you need to, to understand the gift that you have and how it works and how it uh, operates alongside the Holy Ghost. And Paul's dealing a lot in that realm because he's dealing with people that are already born again and he's saying, but you still got a spirit. Because we know the scripture says that he took out our heart of stone and he gave us a heart of flesh and so he put a new spirit within us so that we could receive his spirit. And he begins to deal a lot with that on how exactly do you live in harmony with and under under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Then you could look at the book of Revelations. John wrote the book of Revelations but it's also, it's a book of symbols. It's not a book of literals. It's a book of symbols. And we find in there, I'll just take for an example, you find in there four horse riders, four horses. Call them horsemen, horse riders, whatever different alliteration you want to call it. But the horses, it's not just that there's literal horses that at different times, different years, all of a sudden a horse rides out. We love certain things. We love our our own human thoughts. Where we see something, and you know, someone shows a video. Do you see the little horse shape floating through there? Great. Do you see this floating through here? Do you see that? Oh, do you see this is this horse? We, we like that in our own flesh, but it's not a literal horse, it's a book of symbols. It's meaning something. Could it perhaps manifest in a way? Sure, but that's not literally the point in the time because it's a symbol. That goes forth, and it's a symbol that means that the horse is a power. It's a beast. The beast is a power, and there's different colors, meaning that there's different powers down through the ages. See, it's a symbol. I'm going somewhere with this, so please stay with me. Stay focused. It's a symbol that represents something. That is what the horse is, is a beast And sometimes something to notice about a horse is that a horse is not just a beast and a power that just roams free. Because it's got a rider on it. And a horse is a beast that's bridled and it goes where the rider wants it to go. In other words, it's there for a specific purpose. It's a power that that is used for a specific purpose. Not just in general. I want you to catch this because as you're looking at it, you see down through each age. Brother Brown would talk about in the church age book. Down through each age. Each age has its own spirit often depicted by its name. That is a general spirit over that age. Laodicea has its own spirit. That is just generally over the people that they're just relaxed and they're loose. and They're they're, they're just that way where it's it's the, the spirit of the age. But there's another demon power that is riding out in the midst of that. Which is a pale horse, which is death. Or it's a pale horse and the one that rides on it his name is death you see and and, and, and these powers are driven by the antichrist which is Satan himself which was driving these powers he was given these powers and he's driving them for a specific purpose in a specific time forgive me for playing with my mic a lot I apologize we'll get it eventually So it wasn't just with these horses that represent, that represent, or not just a specific power or demonic powers, but there was a specific purpose, which was against the elect for that day, for that dispensation. It wasn't just well this horse goes out in this age. No, there's seven ages and there's four horses. In each of these powers, we know, I would say they get worse and worse because there's one and there's two and there's three and then all three combined together in the last one. Which is then we know death, the spiritual death, is eternal separation from God. But there's also God raising up to combat each of them with a power, with an anointing. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God always raises up a standard. And so he begins to anoint men with a specific anointing. The elect with a specific anointing to combat the enemy of that age. So when he rode out with that white horse, God sent the lion anointing. When he rode out with the next horse, God sent the ox anointing. When he rode out with the next horse, God sent the man anointing. When he rode out with the next horse, God sent the eagle anointing. And all these things come forth. Say, this is really, really simple. It's for a purpose. <clears throat> But all of these anointings that God began to send, notice it was the same Holy Ghost. It was the same power. But it was a different anointing. The same way Brother Bam would talk about the seven spirits of God, a spirit of God in each age. It's the same Holy Spirit. But it's come down into that age. And then this, this anointing was for the elect. That we're elected to catch that anointing. Which is the same Holy Ghost in each age to help us and to allow us to combat the enemy. Without it, you have no hope. Without it, you cannot combat. You cannot see the, this, the, the, the scripture would say it would be so close. The Antichrist and the real thing would be so close. It would deceive the very elect if it was possible. So in other words, there's only one group of people. That's the elect that were elected to catch the anointing that they would be able to see the difference. Because without being under the eagle anointing, you can't see the difference between the eagle and the pale horse. You can't see the difference between Christ and the Antichrist unless you're in Christ. Furthermore, in our day, we're given, specifically given the power of the anointing of the eagle. Which, an eagle is a heavenly creature. It's there to rise above. Right? That's what an eagle does. It's there to rise above. It's there to soar into the heavenly, to go above the, 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 the turmoil of the earth, to go above the ways of the world, to go above these things. It's not just, you know, you could have the anointing that came out in the lion and say, well, they could really preach. Paul and those that went out, they could really preach. They could really get the gospel out. They went and traveled and all these things, mission trips, and they preached, and souls were saved, and the gospel was spread. And then there came another anointing under the ox and it was almost like turn the other cheek. Because it was an ox, it was a sacrificial beast. It was the anointing that was there to combat the enemy. But that was the way to combat the enemy. To anyone that wasn't under that anointing, they would look at it and go, what are you doing? Why are you just giving a, Why are you just dying for this cause? Is it really worth dying on this hill? Yes, for Christ, it's worth dying for. And they were willing to just lay down their lives over and over and over. But to them, that was the right thing to do because they were under the anointing. But then God came up with another anointing, which is the anointing of the man, right? And in that, men begin to build up great ministries. They begin to build up great things. Men like Charles Spurgeon, men like John Wesley. Different men like that, they would bring to bring Charles Finney, they would go and Preach evangelizing and build great things. We're still to this day, ministers look to their writings. They look to their ministries. A great denomination started over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it was a man age. The organizational skill was there, it was an anointing. But we're not under that anointing anymore. We're under the anointing of an eagle which is to rise above, not to try and cope and figure out how we're going to just make the best and we're going to fight that and we're going to make sure that we're well protected. We're going to make sure we're going to educate everybody. We're going to make sure that everybody knows and everybody's reading and everyone's literate and everybody is able to get the word and we're all just, no, it's to rise above. It's to soar into the heavenlies. It's to be in a certain anointing. You're all with me still, so that's good. And it's a great revelation when we begin to realize, when it begins to be revealed to us, the revelation of of Revelations 10. It's a great thing. Matter of fact, it's the greatest thing that ever happened. When Revelations 10 began to unfold. In Revelations 10, it was written in, Symbols. Remember? That's the book of symbols. And as, as he began to write this one, how he would write and he would say, and I went into it about a month ago, but rather that, that it was just how a mighty angel came down, which that mighty angel was Christ. Do we need to turn to it and read it? Or I think we, we understand, right? Revelations chapter 10. The mighty angel came down. It says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow, in his, a rainbow upon his head. His face was as the shine and his feet. And he had in his hand, verse 2, he had in his hand a little book open. That's what we're preaching on. A little book open. When this began to come, become real to your parents and their parents, when this began to become so real to us, we begin to realize this is what we're living in. I've sat in some of those services where we really begin to be preached about what the open book represented, and what it means, which to you now is common. It is. It became that way to me, too, before it really became real. Because it becomes that way because you realize that's all I know. We begin to think, well, this is, just, this is just what it is. What do you mean the little book open? There was a little book open because it was revealed. It was the same one that came and took the book. And all loose the seven seals. Now he's coming down with the open book. And then you begin to realize just how wonderful this is because it's not just, uh, uh, okay, God revealed the seals. Okay, it's a great revelation. Okay, it's revealed to the world. But now it's Christ has come down actually. He actually has come down and he's come down to reveal it because the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. And he's come down to lead and guide you into what the book really means. In other words, he's come to show you what the atonement is. We know he come down and he, he, as he come down, he put one half, one foot symbols on the earth and one on the sea. Remember, it's symbols because Christ can't come back on the earth literally until it's been burnt over, until it's been renovated because he's now in his glorified body. He can't come back because it's, it's, it has to be to come for him on his corporal body. For him to be able to come in his glorified body and step foot on this earth, he would have to judge it. But it has to be burnt over. You can find that in the message. But it has to be that there has to be a new heaven and a new earth in order for him to come down, for him to dwell like that. But it's symbols. It's not just literally, I'm waiting to see Christ come down. No, he came down. And we've seen it in the heavens. He declared it in the heavens as he always does. With a cloud. That's why Satan's so preoccupied with trying to disprove a cloud. Trying to say it was this or trying to say it was that or it didn't really happen or it was that or some rocket or some this or it couldn't possibly be. Why are they trying to disprove it so bad? Because that was God declaring it in the heavens. And they declared it on earth through a seventh angel message. He began to preach the seven seals. All the mysteries of God were revealed. What was it doing? It was Revelations 10. It was literally what was written in symbol form now actually manifesting itself in time. And as he began to come down with, with, with the book open, it was, it was showing as he put his foot over on the, on the sea and one on the land, it was showing that all of the power of the beast, because if you go into Revelations chapter 13, I'll read it to you in Revelations chapter 13. I said, I'm not going to get where I want to go, but I hope you're, you're with me still and verse 1 says it this way it says and i and i stood upon the sand and the sea sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns and if you jump all the way down to verse 11 it says and i beheld another beast come up out of the earth and he had two horns like a little lamb and he spake as a dragon and he exercised all the power of the, of the first beast before him. So here you have two beasts that come out and they're showing there's the beast in different dispensations. And I'm not going to get fully into that beast tonight. But rather that as Christ came down, he showed that all the power of the devil is under his feet. It was a symbol to show that what he's doing is so much greater than anything The devil has. That if you're in Christ, all of the devil is under you. See, why Christ is putting there is because you recognize that Christ has power over all of Satan's power. Christ is over all that Satan's power can go, he can go so far, Satan can go so far. He could take you right up, Brother going would say, right up to the river, which the river is death. He could take you right up to there, but then Christ takes over. Amen. He could only go so far because his power only goes so far. He can't step over into the eternities. He can't step over into that. Why? Because that's God. me bring it to you. If you're ever going to overcome in this age, listen up. How many want to overcome? Amen. All right. We're there. If you ever want to overcome, you have to be in Christ. So, of course, Brother Andrew, I knew that. But Christ is our atonement. So all the power and how to rise above this world. Is simply your faith in the atonement. Give me, I have a number of quotes, and I wanted to find the right one here. Amen. There it is. It says, But the real, holy, the real spirit, Spirit-filled church, full of the power of God, sitting together in heavenly places, offering spiritual sacrifices, praises to God, the Holy Ghost moving among them, discerning sin, calling out the things that's among them that's wrong, straightening them out and making it flat and level. Because why? Because they're always in the presence of God is that bloody sacrifice. And let me just read that to you again, perhaps a little bit differently. Not to change what Brother Brown is saying, but to help you understand what he's saying. He's saying, always in the presence of God is that bloody sacrifice. Always in the presence of God is that atonement. And by that atonement, he says, a real spirit-filled church, full of the power of God, sitting together in heavenly places. All these things are wonderful. We want these things. I want them in our youth group. I want them right here when we're gathered on a Friday night that we could have this kind of an anointing, this kind of a power. We could see a real Holy Spirit-filled young people's group full of the power of God, sitting together in heavenly places, offering spiritual sacrifices, praises to God, and the Holy Spirit moving among us, discerning sin, calling out things that's among them that's wrong, straining them out, making it flat and level. How do we do it? By the atonement. It's not some great workup. It's because he's already paid the price for us to have access to this and by the message in our day, by coming down with the open book, showed us how to do it. It's limited by our faith," right. yeah. he says. Now remember, we went through it this morning. He says, "We was you wasn't saved by the blood." It's a direct, direct quote from Adoption Number Four. It says you're kept saved by the blood. Catch that difference for a moment. You're not saved by the blood. You're kept saved. It's the keeping. It's the holding. It's a continual washing. You've got to be continually believing and have faith in that atonement. Amen. He says, you wasn't, just say, you wasn't saved by the blood. You're kept saved by the blood. You were saved by grace through faith. Believing it. God knocked at your heart because he predestinated you. Hallelujah. Salvation is that simple. God knocked at your heart. God brought you by this way. Amen. God brought you to the anointing for your day. God brought you to the church that preaches the message of the hour. Hallelujah. God had you raised in this church. Why? God made sure you're catching what's being said. Why? Because he predestinated you. That's His grace. Unmerited. But you're kept there by the blood. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Remember last time I spoke of Malachi chapter 4. I took in there and there's a scripture in there that talks about raised like calves of the stall. So that's exactly the way it is when you're raising the message. you raise like the calves in the stall. What does that mean? You're fed the best. You're given the fresh bedding. You've got everything you need right there. And the best of it. But you know, sometimes calves of the stall, they get a picture window of that pasture out there. And they think, oh, that's the life. They see the wild cow out there grazing. I, this farmer brings me everything. I want to go pick my own grass. "Let me out. I want to go pick my own grass. I'm going to make my own way." So pretty soon they' run themselves ragged. Then the dry season hit, and well, there's no grass. Then they got out there and there's a bunch of dead trees all falling down. And guess what? They got stuck. And you know who they needed? That old farmer that used to bring them the grain right there in the stall. Exactly the way it is in our lives. We all like sheep has gone astray. Those of us that were raised in the message and we, we were hand fed, hand fed, hand fed. And it's wonderful. I'm so thankful for that. But yet somehow we get this idea, I want to look over there. I want to see what's out there. I'm sick of the pastor always telling me what to do. I'm tired of this schoolmaster always teaching me what the best thing to do is. It hasn't been made real yet. I'm preaching this for some reason. This is not my notes. This is from last time. But, but we, we, sometimes we get that way, and we want to look out there and we, so we end up out there, and you know who we end up calling on when things go wrong? The same old farmer. Amen. I got this trouble in my life. I don't know what to do. You know what happens to the same old farmer does? He tenderly takes you up, leads you back to the stall, mends the broken leg, nurses you back to health helps you back out. All the while praying, you get it down in your heart. And you begin to understand what it's all about. Why is he feeding me this and now he's feeding me that? Why? Because you need a certain diet to make sure the meat is just exactly the way it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be. He says, you looked up God knocked on your heart because He predestinated you. You looked up and believed it, accepted it. Now the blood makes an atonement for your sins. Remember, God does not condemn a sinner for sinning. He's a sinner to begin with. He condemns the Christian for sinning. Then because He has condemned him, Christ took our condemnation. So there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ, Jesus, and walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. i just trying to find the right words because it's so powerful. Because you're saved by grace, predestinated, unmerited grace. That's not what the blood was for. The blood was there to keep you. When you fall and make a mistake and think, okay, it's over. I really didn't have it. It's there to say, you know, you still got it. You're human. Because God doesn't condemn a sinner for sinning. He doesn't look at the one that never was predestinated, the one that never was called, the one that never was chosen, and say, pfft. To judge him. No, he's a sinner. Don't worry about him. Once you've looked up and recognized and accepted your salvation, you've come and you've been baptized in the waters of baptism and all of these things. He says you've come to a place where now he looks at you and now he condemns you for sinning. But there's a little something in between you and God called the blood of Jesus Christ. And that that, that is the entire purpose of the devil is he wants to try and get your mind so clouded up till you begin to feel like that blood ain't good enough for me. The atonement ain't good enough for me. I'm never gonna go any further because I've accepted salvation and I just keep falling flat on my face with the same old problems and the same old trouble every single time. But that's the point of the blood is so that you can get back up again. So that you can get and spread your wings again, like the eagle that was in the chicken yard. He said, Just get on the fence post and jump. He might have fallen back in the chicken yard a few times. Not quite sure how to use these wings yet. And all his chicken brothers laughing at him. Who do you think you are getting up on the fence post and jumping, falling down like that? You're a chicken. Who do you think you are attending church three times a week? young peoples. Who you think you are trying to say you can't do these things anymore? Who you think you are saying you don't curse, you don't smoke, you don't swear? Who you think you are saying you won't walk this way? You won't have a little social drink. You won't have a little this with me. Why won't you come to my party? Who you think you are? You won't come to your grad dance and dance with me. Who do you think you are? You're just a chicken. No, you're not. right. You might have fallen a few times in that same old coop. But get up again. Get up again. The atonement was made for you. Christ took your place. Christ took your condemnation. Well, we sure ought to be condemned. It's not just conviction. That's what I'm talking about. Christian's always convicted when he does something wrong. He's convicted to go on his knees and repent. I'm talking about condemnation where God says, he's done. I condemn him or her. Christ took that. That when you come and you feel conviction and you repent and you go back and say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me do better. Help me do better next time. I don't want to look at that old website anymore. I don't want to see that old thing anymore. I don't want to listen to that old music anymore. I don't want to walk down that old road anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Lord, help me next time. The blood of Jesus is there for you, right? When you feel like, I'm giving up, I'm done, I've had it. It's over. It's over. I can't walk this way anymore because I'm just not good enough. That's what the blood of Jesus was for. To keep you. To keep holding you. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Just young people, just simple but it ain't doesn't say they don't have a flesh. It says they're not walking after the flesh. You're doing everything you can to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean the flesh ain't there because Paul writes it in Romans chapter 7, right before he writes this. What does he say in Romans chapter 7? When I would do good, evil's present with me. I find in me a good person and a bad person. They're always warring with each other and I'm always having this struggle. Why? Because there's something in me that I'm walking after the spirit but there's that flesh that's just dragging along every time. He says, if you do anything wrong, it isn't willfully. You don't sin willfully. A man that sins willfully goes out and sins willfully never came into that body yet. Never was in Christ. But a man that's once in there, he's dead, hid his life in God through Christ, sealed in by the Holy Ghost. The devil can't even find him there. He's so far back in there, you have to come out of there before the devil can ever get to him, because you're dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep it to an hour or five more minutes. You all right? The making of the atonement at Calvary when Christ came and literally in time died on earth. So the lamb was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. He always had it in his mind because if he ever was going to redeem you, he had to have a redemption paid. But in time, he came and died 2,000 years ago. And in our time, that was the greatest, that was the second greatest event that's ever happened, was the making of the atonement, was when he literally came and fulfilled Isaiah chapter 53. It wasn't the greatest thing. It was the second greatest thing because the greatest was when the full power of the atonement became unlocked, which was our message. That came to unlock the full power of the token so that you could now walk in the fullness of it and really see what it was. And what it was for because all of the mysteries that are revealed today, all the mysteries that were that were hidden down through the ages and that are revealed today, you only have access to them because the atonement paid for it. You can only have the revelation of Christ and his bride because there was an atonement made for you. You can only have the revelation of the man of sin because the atonement was made for you and that you have the ability to see it because you're under the anointing of the age. You say, well, what was the purpose of the atonement, Brother Andrew? Was the purpose of the atonement just so that I could understand all mysteries, just so that I could give me more power, just so that I could have the ability and more access to God? All of those things are in there, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose, I'll say this and then just stay with me because it's so real. The purpose was to bring a bride into perfect love. Because Brother Branham, when he was translated over the other side, and he when he was there, and he came back, he began to say, there's so many words, sublime doesn't touch you. it. Always, it's the only thing that will ever enter there is perfect love. Amen. So the whole point of the, the atonement wasn't just to bring people, just say, well, I got a little bit of peace. Well, I got a little bit of joy. Well, I got a little bit of healing. No, it was to bring you into perfect love. It's not just to have a feeling of love, to have a feeling of this, to have a feeling of that, but rather it was to make you the perfect love of God. Because the Bible would say that though though I understand all mysteries, right? And have not love, I'm nothing. Nothing. Though I give all my goods to feed the poor, though I, I speak with the tongue of a man of angels, though I prophesy, though I do all these great things, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I don't have love, so what was the purpose of the atonement? It was to bring you into a place where you could have the ability to be perfect love. Oh my. But he, Christ, was gone. The suffering and the atonement. He was the genuine mercy seat in full view. He says, now your healing is just as complete as an airplane ticket. And more so. Why? Because an airplane ticket tells you you got a journey. Your healing is more complete than that. There might be some hiccups. There might be some problems on an airplane ticket. It might get you through the gate. It might get you to the airplane. But that airplane might crash. God forbid. Because your healing is more sure than that. It It is sure to get you from here to there. Because it's included in the atonement. The breadwinner would begin to go through different things that are included in the atonement. He'd begin to go through how healing is included in the atonement. The sin question is settled in the atonement. How could I overcome sin? It's right there in the atonement. Sickness is settled in the atonement. He was wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes were healed. Iniquity is settled in the atonement. The revelation of who you are is settled in the atonement. All of these things are all wound up in a single event. Which was Christ, God unveiling himself to a people, to young people. So that you could see and you could understand and you could know the same Jesus that Peter walked with. The same Jesus that John rested in his bosom. So that you could rest in the same bosom. So that you could walk with him. So you could talk with him. So you could know him in the power of his resurrection. So you could go into heavenly places. So you could rise above the things of the world. Why? Because he paid the price. So that you could overcome all sin. Let's stand to our feet. It's just so plain in the atonement. You just need to believe it. You see it and you believe it. So how do I know I'm healed in the atonement, Andrew? Because it says, "By his stripes, you were healed." I didn't even get to Isaiah 53, where it lays out the atonement. Just try to take it real. So, was it all right tonight? Just as encouraging to you to understand the blood is there to keep you. It's a keeping power. If you're ever called of God, if you're predestinated of God, which I believe you are, you can't walk away. We're to see a song. I'm not going to walk away. I've got too much at stake. Why? Because my, all, all my, everything I have is in that atonement. It's in Jesus. The resurrection, the revelation, the resurrection, it's in the atonement. The revelation of the rapture, it's in the atonement. It's in Christ Jesus. He came down with an open book in hand to show you, this is what I paid for. This is what I got. I took the little book. I opened the seals. Your name is written here. I've got you. Oh, my. For God himself to come and say, Dwayne, I got you. Marshall, I got you. Alana, I got you. You don't got to worry about it. I got you, Hannah. I've got you, Steffi. I've got you, Ruth. I've got you, Hannah. I've got you, Aaliyah. I've got you, Jeremy. I've got you, Maxwell. Not me, Andrew. The Lord Jesus, God Himself. I got you, John. I got you, Sam. I got you, Jonathan. I got you, Esther. I got you, Johanna. Savannah. I've got you. I've got you, Judy. I've got you. You don't gotta worry. His blood is the keeping power. It'll keep you. It's there to keep you. If I need power to overcome. That's the new birth. That'll just come right in and make it all live. That's the tutor that says, "Now let's apply it. Let's take all the things the schoolmaster taught you and let's apply it. All oh, thank God for the blood. Let's take all those things that you lived under condemnation for years." I was raising the message too, yeah. You live in condemnation for years. I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be that. My dad was preaching this, and I am man, I'm never going to live up to that. I'm never going to be that good. But then the Holy Ghost came. So now let me teach you how to do it. Then I began to realize, oh, I don't need to do anything. I just need to trust him. I just need to live after him. I just need to do what he's doing. He'll take care of me. But it took the tutor to come in and say, let me show you what the schoolmaster is talking about. Let me show you what that law's talking about. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to amplify the law. I came to magnify it. Why? And he says, well, why? And he made it so hard. If you're not living with a tutor, he made it so hard. He said, I say, if you look on a, on a woman lust after her, you've committed adultery with her already in your heart. And every young guy went, Oh. impossible but then the tutor came let me show you how it's done then the one that said it came and said let me show you i got you i'm going to take all those things out of you you don't have to worry about anymore oh hallelujah and all the sisters that looked there and read that book Read that message, brother Brown says, and you sisters that would dress that way. Now he says, but you women that would dress that way—that a woman man would lust up you are just as guilty as the man is. He went, it's impossible. Then the tutor came and said, "Let me show you how it's done. Let me show you how to dress. Let me show you how to act. Let me show you how to talk. Hallelujah. Let me show you how to be love. Oh, is God good?" I started out with a made up mind to one day cross the finish line and I'm pressing toward the mark and for the prize oh, when at times I've had to stand my ground, say his to try, turn me around, but I will